Howdy. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Yeah, it's the Pete Callender Show. I am Pete Callender. That's how I got the gig. You can hear the latest episodes at thepetecallendershow.com and subscribe on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. The show is made possible by patrons like EZ and Gary and Green and Monica, James, Jan, Janet, and Gene and Ben. I appreciate all of your support, uh, and uh, you guys make the show possible now more than ever. And uh, also want to uh, thank, of course, Mattress Man, all of the folks at Mattress Man stores, four locations in the Asheville area, Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville, but uh, they do ship their mattresses nationwide. They've got all of the mattresses, the best mattresses, um, Inner Spring, Pillow Top, Natural Latex mattresses, along with adjustable bases. And uh, my wife and I, we've got the memory foam that we bought from them several years ago, long before they ever advertised uh, with me. They got their sleep consultants there to help you find the right bed. Uh, they've got a uh, five-star delivery service, a 120-day comfort guarantee. And in uh, this COVID world that we are in now, uh, they retooled their entire website uh, in order to make it easier for folks to shop from the comfort of their home. And uh, you can look at all of the inventory that uh, that Mattress Man has in stock and uh, they do ship. And if you are local, they've got the white glove delivery service. Okay, so go to mattressmanstores.com and click shop online. And uh, if you use the rest well discount code, rest well, all one word, R-E-S-T-W-E-L-L, you can get an additional 20% off savings, right? Site-wide on the entire website, mattressmanstores.com. Buy local, sleep better, experience the difference at Mattress Man. Last couple days, I've uh, started off the program with good news. You know, hey, good news, we've got this going on. Good news, there's this development. Hey, good news. Uh, so today, I unfortunately have to start off with uh, some pretty bad news, and that is the unemployment numbers. So last week, you may recall, the numbers came out and they were 11.2 mil, or sorry, 11, sorry. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. It was 3.2, roughly 3.2 million um, unemployment claims. That was a record, okay? A record for one week claims, 3.2 million. Now, today we get the numbers, and now the one week unemployment claims number beat that old record of 3.2 million. It is 6.6 million unemployment, first-time jobless claims, which implies basically an unemployment rate of about 10%, at a minimum 10%. We now have over 9 million unemployment claims within two weeks. This is catastrophic. This is like civilization-ending catastrophic. And I'm not sure that we have a political set that can get out of their own political ideological bubbles to see this for what it is. There needs to be some leadership and there needs to be some understanding of the, the toll. Like this, I saw uh, somebody had a quote yesterday, and I'm sorry, I don't know who uh, said it, uh, but I read it and it is exactly right. This idea that people are pitting this as some sort of a question between um, lives and the economy or lives and money. It's not about lives versus money. It's about lives versus lives. 
These are yes, this and it's terrible. These are terrible decisions that to even contemplate. And I'm not advocating for one thing or another. All I'm saying is there needs to be some addressing of a plan. People need to act with some sort of an urgency. This whole let's just curl up in a ball and just stay at home and shelter in place and don't anybody do anything for the next, you know, month or two, it's not sustainable. This can't work. It can't work. People will eventually break their own containment and then all of the all of the stay at home stuff was for nothing. There was also a story I came across at the John Locke Foundation's uh the Carolina Journal by Brooke Conrad. They uh, they held the uh John Locke Foundation did they held um uh, they call it the Shaftesbury Society. They did this event uh, Monday, March 30th, and I assume it was all, you know, online. But um, around 75% of the state's half a million hotel and restaurant workers are currently out of a job. 75%. 75% of all hotel and restaurant workers are out of work now. The hospitality industry, which comprises 13% of North Carolina's total workforce, including 18,000 food service establishments, 1,800 lodging establishments. They are on life support, says Lynn Mingus, the president and CEO of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. Governor Roy Cooper's March 17th executive order to shut down all brick-and-mortar restaurant operations, accepting takeout service, delivery, and some curbside service. The governor also issued a statewide stay-at-home order last week that further limited what North Carolinians could do. And as a result, some restaurants may be shuttered for good even after business restrictions are lifted. This is an economic destruction on a scale we have never seen. We better have a plan. I keep saying China is to blame for this. China has concealed the extent of the virus outbreak in its country. This is now according to uh, a report that was done by our U.S. intelligence agencies, which take this from where it's coming from. I appreciate them getting on the stick so late in the game here. But um, yeah, they're now saying, yeah, China's not telling us the truth uh, when it comes to their death toll, which of course they're not. Of course they're not. Uh, They're saying they have 3,300 deaths so far and that they have no new cases. Yeah, conveniently after they kicked everybody out of their country, right? No, the 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 um, White House, according to a classified report to the White House, according to three U.S. officials who asked not to be identified because the report is secret, uh, they said the thrust is that China's public reporting on cases and deaths is intentionally incomplete. Two of the officials said the report concludes that China's numbers are fake. The report was received by the White House last week. The outbreak began in China's Hubei province in late 2019, but the country has publicly reported only about 82,000 cases, 3,300 deaths. That compares to more than 189,000 cases and more than 4,000 deaths in the U.S., which has the largest publicly reported outbreak in the world. This is all according to Bloomberg.com. And then at the uh, a couple paragraphs down, it says Republican lawmakers in the U.S. have been particularly harsh about China's role in the outbreak. Enhancing Beijing's role in the pandemic could be politically helpful to President Trump, who has sought to shift blame away from blah, 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 blah. No mention anywhere either in any of this article about any potential political benefit for Democrats here to, sh- to, to put all the blame on Trump for all of the American deaths. Right. Nancy Pelosi still has not been asked a single question about why she urged people to go to Chinatown in late February. 
If they knew that this was so bad, why weren't they telling people? Beckett Adams, writing at the Washington Examiner, says no institution has failed the public worse during the COVID-19 pandemic than the news media. It seems impossible that this should be the case, especially considering the federal government's sluggish, incoherent, and unfocused handling of the crisis. But even the federal government has managed to get some things right. The same cannot be said for our self-important fourth estate. From the very beginning, corporate media got the story wrong, publishing article after article, assuring readers that the virus is not as dangerous or serious as it sounds. Later, after it became clear the pandemic created by China is indeed a fatal, fast-moving global disaster, and the body started to stack up, you still had major news groups in America uh, that were either you know still giving the old line, or then he says they changed tacks and abandoned their earlier efforts to downplay the seriousness of the disease to then champion the Beijing-approved talking point that said it was racist and xenophobic to refer to the virus by the city of its origin, the Wuhan virus or the Wuhan flu or, you know, uh, the Chinese flu. Don't you call it that? Remember, doesn't that seem like a lifetime ago that we were being lectured to by the fourth estate telling us what we can and cannot call it? Oh, and by the way, you cannot call it the thing that they were calling it up until like yesterday, right? (laughs) They then blindly accept Beijing's numbers and the, the the lie that they halted the spread of this virus, right? Is it any is it any wonder why they have such low ratings? We'll dis, uh, discuss this with Stacy Matthews here from RedState.com next. All about it. First, let me tell you about Old Grouch's military surplus. If you're looking for military surplus that's real. For more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. Go to their website at oldgrouch.com. That's oldgrouch.com. And uh, it's across the street from the uh, anti-aircraft uh, gun, seriously, in downtown Clyde. But go to their website instead. I don't think Tim's got the uh, got the uh, uh, the building open for customers at this point, even though I would consider it to be essential services. Oldgrouch.com. Use the promo code PETE. And you can get 10% off. Uh, that's oldgrouch.com, old school military surplus uh, with a mix of modern and vintage items. So Tuesday night, the president did a press conference, lasted over two hours, and he had an exchange with CNN's Jim Acosta. And uh, if you didn't hear that and you would like to, you can go back and listen to uh, the podcast that I did on the president's press release. Now, uh, in this exchange, though, Donald Trump, Uh, kept saying a couple of things to Jim Acosta, who didn't really seem to understand what he was saying, which was that the uh, the president kept saying, I don't want to be negative. He said, I am a cheerleader for the United States of America. He wants to be positive. And he says, you know, I want to give people hope that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. This isn't going to last forever. Uh, And that's how he sees uh, his role in being the president during a time like this. Um And this is not necessarily a new dynamic. This is not the first time that the president has expressed these sentiments. And so we want to welcome to the program uh, Stacey Matthews. She's a writer at redstate.com. She writes under the the name of uh, Sister Tolja. And uh, Stacey, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey, Pete. Good to be on. Thank you. Sure. So... um, the uh the the president's comments here about being positive but specifically 
wanting to give hope to people. Uh, this is something that you picked up on before in a couple of different of your a number of your pieces over the last uh, month or so. Um, what has been your general? Let's start with a general impression of the way the media interacts with these reporters in the White House interact with the president during these briefings. One of the reasons I started writing back in 2003 uh, was because of, of media bias, um, liberal media bias. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, 17 years later, you know, they're, they're even worse. And I think social media has played a, a large role in, in how bad they've gotten. And as far as the White House press briefings go, um, the, the relationship between Trump and the, and the White House press corps is so adversarial uh, now that you have news outlets that uh, where whose producers are actually contemplating not even airing the briefings. They'll cover them, but they'll they'll uh, air clips of them later, selective clips uh, instead of showing the full thing. Some of them are are starting to show like the first five or 10 minutes of the briefings. And then they cut out uh, when the, when the meat of the briefings really begin. The Tuesday, so, or to your point, the Tuesday night briefing, CNN did not cover the beginning of it. They only picked it up when doctors Burks and uh, Fauci began speaking. Right. They're treating the, the press briefings now. Uh, I think part of the issue is, is that they're worried that the press briefings, because it's free media for Trump. And he's using he, they think he's using them as a substitute for the campaign rallies that he likes to do. And they don't want to give him that free media because they know it hurts Joe Biden, which, you know, he's the presumptive nominee at this point. Uh, for they're the not entirely so, wrong. Would you, I mean, they're not entirely wrong. Trump does use these pretty effectively. Right. He has at least in the but past. He's no, he's, few. But he's, he's no different than any other politician. in that right. regard. Joe, Joe Biden would do exactly the same thing. Right. Uh, the only the only you know thing here is they're cutting away because it's Trump. It's right. not who they want. It's not who. They, if it was Obama, they would carry him for five hours. If he went on for five hours, they'd carry him for five hours. But it's not. It's Trump, and so it's different. Which is also a, a 180 degree turn from uh, their position when they argued uh, against the cancellation of the White House daily briefings, and they argued that uh, this was critical to our functioning democracy uh, to have the White House answer all of their questions every single day. And now you've got the White House offering to answer their questions every single day. And they don't want to carry it. <laughs> right. They don't. It, it's, you know, it's typical media hypocrisy. Can't win with them. Yeah. So the uh, the exchange with Jim Acosta, who it, it seemed like he was trying to bait the president uh, into what? Acknowledging that he's responsible for 100 to 200,000 American deaths, right? Right. I mean, and I think every, every, every I haven't seen every interaction between or read about every interaction between the president and Jim Acosta during these briefings. But the ones that I read about, it seems like he has the same questions every time, you know, they're gotcha questions. Like, are you, are you disappointed that you didn't do more? Are mm -hmm. you not happy that you, do, do you think that you caught onto this too late? Do you think you're giving people false hope? It's the same thing over and over again. It's like, it's not journalism, it's showmanship. And it's, you know, um, it's, it, it, it's not helpful. So this is, uh, you mentioned the question of uh, false hope, and this uh, kind of came out uh, during an exchange 
this was with, and this was really the one that kind of got on, uh, uh, put this all onto my radar, uh, was this exchange with Peter Alexander, who is a reporter for uh, NBC News. And let me play that clip for folks who haven't heard this exchange. What, so what do you say the Americans were scared, though? I guess nearly 200 dead, 14,000 who are sick, millions, as you witnessed, who are scared right now. What do you say to Americans who are watching you right now who are scared? Uh, I say that you're a terrible reporter. That's what I say. (laughs) I think it's a very nasty question, and I think it's a very bad signal that you're putting out to the American people. The American people are looking for answers, and they're looking for hope. And you're doing sensationalism, and uh, the same with NBC and Comcast. I don't call it, I don't call it Comcast, I call it Comcast. Let me just ask for who you work. Let me just say something. That's really bad reporting. And you ought to get back to reporting instead of sensationalism. Let's see if it works. It might and it might not. I happen to feel good about it, but who knows? I've been right a lot. Let's see what happens, John. Can I get back to the science and the logistics? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. The, the units that were ordered, are they... For- All right, so you, you hear him at the end. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, he says to uh, Alexander. And um, Peter Alexander then goes on to Twitter, and he says, I offered both President Trump and Vice President Pence an opportunity to reassure Americans. A simple question. What do you say to Americans who are scared? Trump replied, I say you're a terrible reporter. And Pence, an hour later, said, don't be afraid, be vigilant. And um, as I read, and I think this was your colleague, is it uh, Bonchi? Am I pronouncing Mm -hmm. that correctly? Bonchi? Um, Yes. Mm -hmm. Who wrote at redstate.com said there's actually, there was a a part before this question that nobody, and, and Alexander didn't tell anybody about it, but apparently Peter Alexander asked right before this, is it possible that your impulse to put a positive spin on things may be giving Americans a false sense of hope? And this is exactly what Jim Acosta channeled on Tuesday night when he said that, oh, you, you, you seem to have evolved uh, in your thinking on this. And maybe if you had uh, uh, not you know, been uh, spinning it positively before, maybe then it could even be lower. There'd be fewer deaths, like trying to blame Trump for American deaths, even before we see any of these deaths? Well, first of all, the, the Peter, Peter Alexander Trump exchange is the exact reason why these press conferences need to be aired in their entirety rather than you getting selective clips on social media from journalists who were covering it or getting select clips on CNN or NBC of what of of the interaction because they're going to show you what they want you to see which is exactly what alexander did in his tweet where he said his quote simple question was what do you say to americans are who are scared that wasn't the full question mm-hmm. people who are who are watching saw that he 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 framed the question in terms of are you is your impulse to put a positive spin on things giving people a false sense of hope that's how it started. So this is, is the exact reason why we need to see these press briefings in full. So we don't get the media filter and the media slant. We get to see what is actually asked and how Trump reacts to it, rather than getting the media's version of it, which is usually um, cut off or, or changed to, to suit their narratives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be fair, Donald Trump does take the bait every single time. 
uh, and the media knows this. So uh, th- this is the thing, though. I learned this very quickly in 2016 during the campaign, right? And when once you learn it, it's your responsibility, I would submit, as a journalist uh, or as anybody in the media, it's your responsibility to then understand that this is the game that's getting played. There's a bait, then there is the bait taken, and then there is the explosion, right? The reactions. And you can't just do the reaction because that's not the whole story. The context matters when it comes to Trump and what was the buildup because there are so many examples going back now over what four years where Mm -hmm. you know Trump says something in the reaction that becomes the big story and then you go back and you learn within 24 hours oh there was all this lead up there was all this bait they were chumming the waters for the guy and he's right he's he's not a politician uh schooled in these ways and so he and he doesn't care so he's just going to keep Reacting the way he does, he and it, honest, honestly, it, it has worked for him so far. Right, there hasn't been. It, it's absolutely yeah. worked for him. That's one of the reasons why I I know people, and this is just anecdotal evidence. I'm not saying this is this is how everybody is. I know people uh, right now who are watching press conferences who are apolitical. They're not normally interested in politics. They you know, generally support Trump, might disagree with him on a few things or whatever, but they're they're tuning into these press conferences because they want to hear what he has to say and they want to know what's going on, what 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 we're gonna be doing next, where, when is when are we gonna see a light at the end of the tunnel? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Trump gets a question like, Are you getting giving Americans false hope? Now this is after if I'm not mistaken, this question was after CNN published a piece and I think it was written by Chris Saliza um, saying that Trump was giving people, uh, Trump was doing wrong by giving people a sense of false hope. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you had this kind of build up to that moment. And every press conference, there's somebody in the, in the crowd, whether it's Acosta or uh, uh, people from, uh, journalists from ABC News, which I've written about too, there's always somebody in the crowd trying to get a reaction from him because it, 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 it makes for good ratings on TV. Um, you know, it, instead of, this being about informing the American public, which is what these press conferences are supposed to be about. This is about them getting a soundbite so they can get 20,000 retweets on Twitter and get, you know, X amount of people watching online. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, does a dis- it does a disservice to what journalism actually is supposed to be about. Which is, I was talking with Chris, uh, my wife, Christy, about this the other night, and uh, I said it's one of the things that astounds me. We were watching part of the uh, uh, back and forth, and I said, I, I don't understand why uh, there seems to be this need for journalists to uh, to to telegraph the trap before they actually ask the question. And I've never understood it. Why not ask the question first? Once the president gives his answer, then you turn around and then you spring the trap. But they always seem to lead with the trap. They say, well, you've said before, blah, 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 blah. So here's my question. Well, now you know that the president knows it's a trap. So now he's going to get defensive and now he's going to shift to a different answer or something because he thinks you're trying to trap him. Whereas if you just ask the question and then just let him answer and then spring the trap, just from a reporter's standpoint, Standpoint, from an interview standpoint, it doesn't make any sense to me. But I think a lot of these reporters, they just start off with the, the premise of their question because they want folks to know, oh, look how smart I am. I know all of the information and I'm on your side, you know, progressives. I'm on your side and I'm going to trap the right. president right now. Here it comes, the big wind up. I, I, but from a journalism <laughs> standpoint, I don't get it. I, I never have understood that approach to, to, to questioning somebody from a, uh, for the, at the White House press briefings. 
It, and it, and Pete, I'm sure as you know too, because you, um, before you were a talk radio host, you were um, a journalist too. So you, you're familiar with with how they act very well, and and you remember as well as I do. Now, I didn't watch every Obama press briefing, um, you know, when he was president, but the ones that I saw uh, are vastly different from the way that uh, Trump's uh, press conferences are covered, and and when they did the White House daily briefings before all of this, when they before they stop doing them. Uh, it was it was the same way. It was this extremely adversarial relationship between the press. And and I'm like you, I just just ask the question, you know, quit trying to be woke for your Twitter followers and just ask the questions that people want to know about. That's what people people want information right now. Now, probably more than ever. That's why you've got ratings for um, like the Fox News town hall that was done with President Trump a week ago. That was the highest rated uh town hall in cable news history and uh the the press the daily press briefings they're pulling in numbers like you would see for the season finale of the bachelor or a monday night football games people are tuning into this stuff they want information they don't just want it from trump they they expect the press to ask questions but they don't expect the press to be showmen they just want them to be journalists and do their job and there's nothing wrong with wanting that and there's also nothing wrong with the president pushing back. I mean, honestly, if, if you were under the amount of pressure, you know, that someone like him is under right now to try to to try to fix what's happening, um, and someone, you know, comes to you and says, are you giving Americans a sense of false hope? Do you think that you waited too late to tackle this? I, I think I might be a little bit upset too. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, th- I think it is actually the completely appropriate um, thing to do for a president is to, uh, try to rally the country. As he said, he is the cheerleader for the country. Uh, he's also offering up ideas. Go over this hydro, uh, hydroxychloroquine uh, story. Go over the uh, uh, sort of the, the, the TikTok on that one. Well, this was uh, probably a li- about a week or so ago. Um, Trump, during one of his press briefings, uh, he was talking to uh, the American people about possibilities presented by hydroxychloroquine chloroquine i'm probably not pronouncing that correctly um but as soon as he he talked about that on um, the mainstream media they went negative um it, i mean almost immediately now you keep, keep keep in mind people are wondering you know there's no vaccine for uh the coronavirus right now so but there are um doctors in different parts of the world including the united states are experimenting with different drugs that are used for other things like to treat malaria which is what the hydroxychloroquine does um, to they're they're experimenting with different types of treatments that will help you recover. It doesn't cure you, but it helps you recover from the coronavirus. And some doctors have said that hydroxychloroquine helps their patients. And there actually have been patients that have have, have logged onto Twitter and said, "Hey, look, this is what was given to me uh, for for when when I when I was suffering from the coronavirus, and it helped me, and I'm better now." Um, and th- these are these are not you know Trump. Uh, people or anything like that. These are just people logging on saying, please, please, everybody know this, this is working. Anyway, the media immediately went negative. Um, You know, you had a headline from Bloomberg that said, uh, virus drug touted by Trump uh, can kill in just two grams. Well, yeah, I mean, if you take too much of any drug, it can kill you, especially a prescription drug. Um, There was another headline that said, uh, Nigeria has chloronique poisonings after Trump praised drug. I mean, it's just, it's just insane. You know, I mean, this, this is the media, you know, they, they proclaim that they want to be there to, to inform the American people. 
and the media too, you know, they, they feel like they have a responsibility to um, give the American people hope that, hey, you know, uh, there's all this suffering is, uh, you know, is, is going to be um, over soon, you know, that there's going to be uh, not, if not a vaccine, a treatment, you know, that can possibly help people. That's part of their job. Instead of doing that, because Trump talked about this, this, this drug, you know, they're making it sound like, oh, he, you know, he, he touted this drug, and because he did this, people are dying. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's the most, it's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. It truly, in, in my. 20 plus years of, of covering the media it's one of the most ridiculous things i've ever seen well it, yeah it's it's disgusting um it's grotesque it's um completely unprofessional it's not helpful it's dangerous uh and of course then you get the story of the couple down in arizona that they uh drank fish tank cleaner and uh they blamed it on trump uh and the you know the husband died and the wife was uh hospitalized and then uh, I saw an exchange where uh, somebody, some lefty who was like a, a media person who was like, oh, they're in Arizona and they're uh, six, they're in their 60s. So, you know, they're Trump supporters. And it turned out actually, no, she had given like lots of money to Democrat and progressive causes, which I thought was interesting that like, so you're this big Democrat, you donated to Hillary and you donated to like some uh, super PAC that was all about, you know, real science they build themselves as, uh, yet you listen to Donald Trump's advice on this hydroxychloroquine, whatever, uh, and then to the point where you pulled some fish tank cleaner out of a pantry and drank it because you, I mean, did Donald Trump tell you to do that? It's, it is absolutely absurd that, uh, that, that media went and did this story. Now, the responsible way to do the story would be to say, now, this is a, a, a compound that's found in, you know, household cleaners. Do not take that. Like, they, sh you could definitely do something like that. You can overdose. Here are the warnings, blah, blah, blah. But it, it, but it, it was not done like that. It was all through this prism of uh, we hate Donald Trump and he's terrible. And look, he's got blood on his hands. Um, well, and, 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 and to add to that, Pete, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think this is a critical point in talking about this specific uh, story. You know, the media is, is painting Trump out to be responsible for the possibility of 100,000, 200,000 deaths that we may have as a result of this. But because of the way that they reported on how this drug has not always helped people who have taken it, and then they, they escalated it with the fish, the toxic aquarium cleaner story, mm -hmm. the people swallowing that, them doing that caused governors in two states to outlaw the use of that drug to treat people for the coronavirus. Those reports yeah. caused those governors. Now, you, you know, these governors are not doctors. You know, they're not the people that are supposed to be making that decision, but they, they took that decision out of the doctor's hands. Right. That could have, that, that may have killed people. I, I don't, I'm not saying that it did, but it's because of that irresponsible reporting and framing of these stories that two governors, they were, I think it was Michigan, and I want to say the other one was Nevada. I, somebody yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. You're correct. Um, both of them, part, those stories were in part the reason why they banned um, the use of that drug to treat uh, coronavirus patients. Now, I think they've reversed course on it, but, you know, in that short time frame, that could have maybe uh, killed someone or saved their life. The, it it is what happens when everything is viewed through the prism of Trump. It really is. And uh, and this goes for people who are ardent supporters as well as ardent critics. If every story and every issue uh, you've got to filter through whether or not 
Donald Trump agrees or disagrees with your position, um, then you're doing it wrong. Uh, that's that, mm-hmm. that that's not that's not intellectual honesty, uh, because Donald Trump is a human being. He can get things wrong uh, and uh, he's not wrong on everything either. Like that's there's a there's a space between there. And uh, what Donald Trump has really proven to me, at least over the last now four years, uh, is that the people who profess to be better than he is, they are not in any way. <laughs> uh, they 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 do the exact thing that they criticize him for doing. They really are not very good. Uh, and uh, it, it has it, it really has, along with Twitter, it has really uh, shattered my faith and belief in a lot of reporters and journalists Um for example, here's another one. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, she says she prays for the president. Remember this quote? She says she prays for the president all the time. And everybody was like, oh, my gosh, Nancy Pelosi, she's so Christian. Look at that. She's praying for the president, you know. And these same people then rush out. And when they well, let me play the clip here. This is Mike Lindell, the founder of My Pillow. How companies are going to prepare themselves when they once again open up and and changes to their current operations in order to adjust to future threats and pandemics. MyPillow has designated some of its call center to help U.S. companies navigate the many issues that resulted from this pandemic. We've, de- we've dedicated 75% of my manufacturing to produce cotton face masks. Um, up to t- in three days, I was up to 10,000 a day. By Friday, I want to be up to 50,000 a day. Um, I'm proud to manufacture our products in the United States, and I'm even more proud to be able to serve our nation in this great time of need. Thank you, Mr. President, for your call to action, when, which has empowered companies like MyPillow to help our nation win this invisible war. Now I wrote something off the cuff, if I can read this. Okay. <laughs> God gave us grace on November 8, 2016, to change the course we were on. God had been taken out of our schools and lives a nation had turned its back on God. And I encourage you to use this time at home to get to home to get back in the word, read our Bibles and spend time with our families. Our president gave us so much hope where just a few short months ago, we had the best economy, the lowest unemployment and wages going up. It was amazing. With our great president, vice president <laughs> and this administration and all the great people in this country praying daily, we will get through this and get back to a place that's stronger and safer than ever. All right. And then there's this awkward moment where he goes to shake his uh, uh, Lindell goes to shake the president's hand and Trump doesn't put his hand up. <laughs> so, <laughs> he walks past. But um, but but I mean, honestly, aside from the, uh, you know, the the love for the president, the campaign kind of uh, uh, speeching here. But <clears throat> what is he really saying? He's saying, turn to God, pray to God. And this will make us all stronger uh, for this fight. And you would think that this guy, I don't know, um, you would think that he, you know, I'm trying to find the equivalent. I was going to say, you know, murdered a baby in the Rose Garden. But like, that's, you know, that's sort of. You think he he kicked a puppy, you know, the way that they're treating him. I mean, to me, you know. What bothered me about this now, you know, he, he, he got to the prayerful part, you know, towards the middle of his, his, his short, and it was actually a short speech, yeah. it wasn't that long. Um, but what, you know, concerned me the most about what CNN in particular, and I don't know if other networks did this, but I, I, I happened to catch CNN. They, before he, 10 seconds into Mike Lindell's speech, CNN cut it off. And and, now, and, and what's, what's so important about that is, 
you know, CNN and MSNBC and all these other mainstream media news outlets, especially the broadcast media outlets, spent have spent the last two plus weeks complaining about supply shortages, talking about we don't have enough ventilators, we don't have enough masks for our nurses, and and on and on and on. You know, we're we're uh, people are going to be we're going to be rationing care and and all this stuff. Um, and, and Mike Lindell is one of the many CEOs who were in attendance in that press conference who were there to talk about what they were doing to help out with supply shortages. Mm-hmm. And you would think that that would be something that CNN would want to air uh, to assure people, the, the people watching at home, uh, that, hey, you know, what, the supply shortages thing is, is over. You know, we're, we, we've got people on it, and this guy is talking about what he's going to do, how he's converted his factories into mask-making facilities. But they cut him off before he even had a chance to say it. CNN's Oliver Darcy, who is the media <laughs> reporter, which I thought if he's the wait, if he's the media reporter, what does Brian Stelter do besides like stink and deliver propaganda? Like seriously, <laughs> he's, like, yeah. he's the senior media senior media reporter. Oh, <laughs> I mean, okay. If we're talking about if we're talking about titles here, I mean, I'm just assuming. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know anymore. I mean, there's senior and junior, and you know, and Maybe. all that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, so it so he pointed out on Twitter that, uh, and this is what he wrote: CNN cuts away from the White House coronavirus briefing when Trump invites the My Pillow guy up to the podium to talk. Just this mm-hmm. dismissiveness. This is a man who built a company that manufactures in America. And not only is he talking about cranking out all the masks, and to your point, this is a shortage, and you guys were saying we need to uh, crank up the production on these masks. So not only is he doing that, but he's also offering his assistance to other manufacturers that are looking uh, to obviously be profitable, but also to move manufacturing and how to do that in America. Because he does his in America, and he's saying if you need any advice or insight, I can help you move your facilities back to America and be profitable. Like, it seems like it seems like a pretty good thing, no, even for progressives. Um, But over on MSNBC, the host, Ali Velshi, he says uh, Trump just gave the my pillow guy. Uh, uh, just called him up to the podium in the Rose Garden. You cannot make this stuff up. Uh, Brian Tyler Cohen, he's a YouTuber and former uh, guy with Occupy Democrats. Uh, He says, (laughs) once the Trump-aligned MyPillow guy came on to give a free infomercial from the Rose Garden, CNN cuts away. Good on them for not giving oxygen to this partisan corporate BS. David Gura, former or, uh, yeah, former NPR Bloomberg guy and MSNBC and NBC guy now, he said, fun fact, if the MyPillow guy, Mike Lindell, appears at a briefing, it's no longer a briefing. And Scott Dworkin, ah. the co-founder <laughs> of the Democratic Coalition and an Obama administration alum, says, now Trump is having the MyPillow guy speak. This is absurd. Hashtag stop airing Trump. Um, it... it, it it really and I think this I think this uh, backfired on them because what happened? Are you aware of what happened after they came out against the My Pillow guy as they as they dismissed him as? Do you know what happened? What? He started trending. My Pillow began trending on Twitter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, now yeah, I do remember. I do remember that. And and the best thing that I saw somebody tweeted, um, and I and I this is not a word for word tweet, uh, a quote. But they said, I'm, I'm going online to order my pillow right now. And they said, I hope that it takes me four months to get me my pillow because they're so busy making masks. 
for nurses and other first responders. It was to me, it was perfect. And to me, and I want you to think about this too. You quoted Oliver Darcy, you know, in his comments. Now, keep in mind, Oliver Darcy is a mainstream media news reporter. He's mm-hmm. not. He's not. He's not like me or you who have a slant, you know, and, and we're we we have a little bit of bias when we talk. He's a mainstream media. He's supposed to give the straight skinny on what's going on. When you when you're a mainstream media reporter and you sound exactly like the guy from the Democratic coalition, right? There's there's a problem, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, I could I was actually watching this happen in real time on Twitter as the as Mike Lindell came on, and I and I mean it was trending within two minutes of him speaking, and I just thought, what's going on? Yeah. And I looked, and 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 and, and it, it was just it was like just the cast same people, usual suspects talking about oh you know this is going to be this is turning from a press briefing to an infomercial well it wasn't you know he spent the vast majority of the time he spoke talking about how he was converting his facilities he didn't spend 20 minutes talking about my pillow he's got enough infomercials out there about that he doesn't need to use a press briefing for that right. that's not what he was that's not what he was there for but this just goes to the point you know if if these pre- these press briefings are supposed to be about informing the american people about where we are on supplies What's going to happen in the future? When are we going to? When are we going to? You know, get on, be able to get on with our lives. That's exactly what you know this press briefing was, and yet they refused to air the one person who was talking about what he was doing to help alleviate supply shortages, simply because he was an ally of Trump. Yeah, which you know, honestly, how many people uh, that are already supporters of the president like? They already know who Mike Lindell is and My Pillow, right? These are yeah. These are people who generally listen to talk radio. They're aware of what My Pillow and they watch uh, Fox News. I think he advertises on Fox News. Heck, he may advertise on CNN for all I know. I I don't. Um, the problem is, is that you know I wouldn't have cared if this guy was an Obama donor. I wouldn't have cared. No. The fact that he's he's getting up there and talking about what he's doing. He's he's you know converting his factories. Not he's he's really. You know, putting putting a lot out there, uh, you know, to to help out in this crisis. This is this is the American spirit. This is the American story. And and Mike Lindell actually has his backstory is actually pretty fascinating in and of itself. But yeah. He really wasn't there to talk about himself. He was there to talk about how he was going going to help, which is what we all want to know. And and yet CNN wouldn't even give him the benefit of of two, the two minutes that he stood up there giving yeah. a speech. You know, you you don't hear this kind of snark. When you heard the stories of breweries and distilleries switching over to make hand sanitizer, you didn't hear any of that. There, you know, it's it's only for this guy and for his operation because of his mm-hmm. politics. Um, what else? Oh, there was one other thing here before we let you run. Um, uh, there was one other uh, uh, part of this, which is the the polling, the Gallup polling that came out recently about well, it's about two weeks ago. Um, Americans are generally positive in their evaluations of how each of the nine leaders and institutions have handled the response to the coronavirus situation. Eight of the nine received uh, majority positive ratings led by U.S. hospitals. They're at 88 percent approval. Uh, Your child's daycare, 83 percent approval. Your state government, 82 percent. Your employer, 82 percent. Government health agencies, 80 percent. Vice President Pence, 61 percent. President Trump, 60 percent, Congress, 59 percent. And then the only group to finish with less than 50 percent approval, they're underwater, is the media. And you would think that this should prompt some self-assessment, some examination of 
what are we doing that we are ranked lower than Congress and Trump? Like, but it doesn't. Well, not, not even this prompts any kind of uh, self-awareness. Well, Pete, the way that I look at it is that's another reason why they want to cut these press conferences short. They want to be able to continue to keep doing what they're doing, but they don't want people to see it. So their ratings won't continue to go down. Mm. So, you know, so they're not going to change just because, you know, a a poll was taken that shows that they're that they're supported in the tank. Um, There's the media distrust has been around for a while. You can look at pretty much any poll taken over the last six, seven years. And, and media, uh, trust for the media is, is way down. Um, and that, like I said, the way that they look at it is, you know, hey, we're doing our jobs. If, if people don't, if people don't like us, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but if Trump, if Trump had that attitude, hey, I'm doing my job. I don't care what people think. Then, they, then they would be all over him. But they ignore it because they think, well, it's our job to be this way. But we don't want you to see that that's what we're doing. We'll just, we'll just continue to do as we normally do, but we won't air it. And then later on, we'll tweet out our our spin and our slant and and that way you know you only get our version of it rather than actually knowing what was actually said in context so do you think then that the the to bring it back to the jim acosta exchange and this this prediction that they are now making the white house made this week that there's you know there is going to likely be 100 to 200,000 american deaths over the next 3 months basically um mm-hmm. do you think that even that information do you think that that this prompts sort of a, a a bit of a reset not to channel hillary clinton's foreign policy button but like a reset of this uh of this adversarial relationship because look i understand having an adversarial relationship as a reporter to an elected official and i understand why a lot of them don't like donald trump because of the way they've interacted over the course of years and you can't unring that bell but in a situation like this, do you think it, it it maybe cools things a little bit? Well, I would like to think that in an ideal world that that would be the case. I mean, you know, when you watch the whole Acosta exchange with, with Trump, you know, in context, I think it was something around the neighborhood of six minutes. It was actually the most decent exchange I've seen between the two of yeah. them, um, you know, in a long time. And, and someone... Um, you know, posted that 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 um, someone, I think it was Scott Dworkin, the, the person you mentioned earlier from the Democrat coalition, he actually was critical of it. And, and I just thought, this is horse crap. This is actually what we need right now. We don't need the showmanship that we typically get from the media. We just need to get them to ask normal, non-gotcha questions so, so we can be informed as to what's going on and so forth. I, I don't think, you know, that this, the sobering statistics about what what may be the death toll from what we're dealing with, I don't think that's going to change. I think it's actually going to make the relationship worse. Hmm. It's one of the, it, 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 one of the things we mentioned this earlier, I was uh, in this, uh, in the vein of the relationships, uh, I guess it's your, is it your boss, Joe Cunningham, senior editor at red state? Is he your boss or colleague? <laughs> he, he's, he's the senior editor, senior editor. Okay. So mm-hmm. uh, one of the things he wrote though, at redstate.com. Uh, and I completely agree. He said, uh, to approach Trump or any administration official without right hostility um, doesn't make the media or the press, doesn't make these journalists heroes. Uh, the, and the headline on this piece is, journalists believe they are heroes, but there's nothing heroic about their behavior. Um, he says, you know, being uh, being confrontational and hostile uh, doesn't make you a hero. It makes you a distraction, he says. Journalism is not about being openly confrontational and borderline belligerent. 
with politicians that they don't like. That's not the point. I mean, sometimes uh, it requires it. Sometimes it's necessary. Like um, uh, there's a you know one particular guy, he, and I wouldn't say he's even uh, he's not belligerent about it. But uh, WBTV reporter Nick Oxner, like he's aggressive and he's he can be deemed confrontational to some degree. But he he's always uh, I think professional and polite. He asks questions and he presses and presses. But he, he he's not smug and dishonest and 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 uh and hostile like that uh because as your colleague writes journalism is about digging doing the hard work to find the information and the best journalism is really never done publicly it's never done with a big announcement laying out what you're going to do ahead of time just like real world heroes aren't the ones who go out there and act like they're heroes but instead they work quietly just doing their job Journalism is about the legwork, not the optics. And that is so true and is something that everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people, I think, in the journalism world today, uh, they have uh, they have lost sight of this because, look, I'm over here on the talk side now, too. Um, this is it's it's a lot more fun to be over here. I completely <laughs> understand it. And you get to let fly with all your opinions and mix it up and have discussions and all this other stuff. And it's it, it's it, it, there's there are a lot less restraints on me. So absolutely, there's a benefit to it. But I would never go down to a press conference now and pretend to be a journalist and engage in essentially a political debate. Uh, uh, you know, with this sort of badgering line of questions against a political opponent, because that's not journalism, right? And 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 speaking, uh, you make a good point there. I I want to say this too, and and I've written about this before. You know, I, I'm I'm highly critical of how the national media has handled this. I think that um, when when all of this is said and done, and and we're all praying that it's it's over with sooner than later, with minimal minimal death and minimal sickness. When all this is done, the media really needs to, to to do another examination of itself, and I mean a serious examination because they they have the national media have absolutely destroyed their credibility. Their jobs right now are to bring information to people. It's not to play games about what happened in the past. We need to know what's going on now. We need to know what the projections are for the future and go from there. Quit asking questions about should you have acted sooner? Do you think you're giving false hope? It goes nowhere and nobody cares about that information. So watch your local news programming. Like we have WSOC here in Charlotte. We've got WBTV, as you mentioned, and we have WCNC and some other local news networks. These people are out there doing shoe leather reporting. Joe Bruno from WSOC, he actually is, is quarantine, quarantining himself now hmm. because he was um, he and, and, and one of his colleagues um, did an interview with I think the state treasurer yeah. who who yeah who who uh, tested positive for coronavirus. No, you know, their local journalists are the ones actually putting their lives on the line right now because they're they're going to these hot spots and and, and trying to uh, to get the story for people. So if you want to to find out what real journalism is, watch your local network news and and and, and I'll even say it. Read the Charlotte Observer. I, I, you'll never hear me say that. <laughs> but I'll say it today because they've actually done a decent job and they're actually making their um, coronavirus content free instead of having to read it behind a paywall. So they're actually doing a public service by what they're doing right now. They know what's going on They're They're the closest people to the story. 
So if you really want to know what's going on, you can watch the White House press briefing like on whitehouse.gov, and then you can also pay attention to what your local journalists are telling you because they're working very hard. They're not working any angle. They just want to give you guys, the people, their neighbors, they want to give you guys, you know, the news that you can use and, and that will help you through this. Stacy Matthews, a writer at redstate.com. You can read her work there, redstate.com. Uh, she writes under the uh, the nom de plume. Sister Tolja, thanks for your time, Stacy. Always great to talk with you. Thanks so much. Pete, thank you, and you guys stay safe. All right. Now, when I got here in 2012, I first got to Asheville, the first advertiser that took a chance on me in the show was Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. And uh, they've been with me ever since, um, and uh, such great support that I've enjoyed from her and the team there. Uh, I really can't pay them back. So uh, the the best I can do is tell you about them. Okay. 333-4483 is their phone number. Rowena Patton and the All-Star Powerhouse team buying or selling a home. Uh, they are the only folks that I would call. You should too. Um, they have a uh, no risk here to, uh, to you when you purchase. You can uh, love it or leave it with seller's fees free for six months and a discount for 10 years. Okay. Uh, also, they understand, you know, times that we're in right now. Um, if you've been looking to buy a home and you don't know how to proceed, they can help you with that. If you're trying to sell a home, but you don't want people walking through it, spreading COVID-19 all over the place, right? Uh, they've been doing video tours since 07. Okay. So they know what they're doing here. Uh, they're also, uh, the top, uh, agents, uh, in the Asheville area. They outsell 99% of realtor, uh, realtors across the state of North Carolina. So, uh, give them a call at 333-4483 or go online to mountainhomehunt.com. That's mountainhomehunt.com and start packing. If you like the show and the content that we have been doing and the interviews that we do and uh, the jokes that I make, okay, maybe not so much the jokes, but if you like everything else, please think about subscribing to the podcast and then actually go and subscribe to the podcast. That'd be fantastic. Give it a thumbs up in the reviews. That would be even better. And you could even consider becoming a patron of the program. And well, Pete, what do I get if I'm a patron of the program? Uh, well, you have just this this feeling of self-satisfaction, first and foremost, of course, but also you get access to uh, additional content. You get bumper stickers uh, and uh, access to the live stream uh, that we do uh, about uh, once every other week or so. And so as we ramp up this whole operation, you're going to get special access by being a patron. And you can get all of the links at thepetecalendarshow.com. Thank you very much for all of your support. Talk to you later. Stay strong. Don't break anything while I'm gone.